A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, Episode 77, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome, Episode 77, it's Seawolves versus Sabercats. Dan Power with you, joined as always by the Professor, Pete Steinberg. Pete, how are you holding up, buddy? What a, what a gorgeous day, I might add, in Colorado we had today. How did you enjoy it? Um, well, I worked all morning and then I took my four-year-old up to the slopes and we skied for a couple of hours. So it's 63 it's, degrees down here. Why would yeah. you go up to the cold? Uh, it was, it was, so, so what it means, Dan, is that when you go skiing with your four-year-old, it's great because it's 40 degrees up there and not freezing cold and they have a good time. So it was, uh, it, it, it was good. It, it was a beautiful day. I think huge amounts of snow on the East Coast, right? That's <laughs> right. Like yeah. Northeaster, and in Colorado, it's spring. So we'll just take that for as long as we can. For two days. And then we're back uh, into the, into the teens again. So, that's it. What's uh, what's what's new in your rugby world, though, buddy? Because we are getting close to kickoff. Closer, uh, it feels like a situation we're in now that I didn't feel like we were ever going to get back to. No, no, I'm I'm like I'm I'm you know following MLR news, right? So now it's sort of like you know you kind of follow it in the off season, but now you're really interested in it because you know decisions that are being made now having an impact. I think the two teams, Dan, that we have um, today are, are the Two of the most intriguing teams, I think, going into 2021, because you've got the Sabercats who have never fulfilled their potential in any season. Like they, they had a good run under, under Paul Emmerich when he came on as an interim coach, right? I think they won four games in a row. But other than that, this is a team that's well-funded. It's a team got a beautiful stadium, great facilities, some great players, but hasn't put it together. And then you've got the Seattle Seawolves that are still the reigning two-time champions. But last year, they didn't start the season like the reigning two-time champions. And so, you know, they've got, like, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens to Seattle coming into into this year and whether they can overcome their poor start from last year. Do you know what's not intriguing? What's not intriguing, Dan? Where you need to get all your MLR gear, Pete. And that's from shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. Great sponsors of the show. You are such always. a professional. I'm trying such my best. Such a professional. Pick. What a segue. Lofty standards. Lofty standards. Just try to keep it up like you. But you make a great point. Two teams, two varying stories, but how easily they could have flip-flop roles there if the bounce of the ball had gone a different way at some point for both of them. So I'm sure our guests will enjoy these interviews we've got coming up. What do you reckon, Pete? Should we go to Texas first or up to Seattle? Let's do Texas first. Let's uh, let's man. let's let's go down to Houston and see what's happening down there. Let's go down. Let's check in now with their head coach Paul Healy, who's just landed back in the states. And we are joined now by the Houston SaberCats head coach Paul Healy, Queensland's own. 
The boy from Brisbane made good heels. How was the trip to America, mate? Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to see you again. I was just saying to Pete, it's been a while since I've chatted with Pete, but obviously we've caught up once or twice, Dan. But no, the trip, yeah, it was it's long and obviously I had to go a different way because a few of the flights got cancelled. But, you know, I was, I was pretty keen to come back and get things running and obviously it was a little bit of the unknown for me coming back here, but things seem to be going along as the best we can in the circumstances. So, yeah, it's good to be back. A little throwback to our great ancestors, Heels. It came over from Ireland and England. It was a little longer trip there for them as well in the, in the bottom of the boat, and it was all Pete's people sending us over too. Yeah. Stole your coffee, actually, last summer in Houston. Now memory yeah. comes back to me. Pete stole your coffee. Oh, that's all right. I'll forgive Pete. I, I'd like to point out that um, Houston, I think that you have the best coffee in the league in your, uh, in your offices, from what I remember, like, a, like all, all good Australians, you know, you know, you know how to make sure there's always a good. Well, we do, Pete, you know, life's too short to drink terrible coffee. So that's one thing I think that keeps the coaching staff going. And uh, yeah. So anytime when you come back, I've got a new brew, so I'll, I'll be able to give you a better one, mate. All right. That's awesome. Hey, I'd like to talk about last year a little bit. Um, obviously your first year in the league, a little, shortened what did you learn about the MLR and what did you learn about the Houston Sabercats last year well firstly I learned that the competition is is a lot stronger and a lot better than a lot of people think especially where we come from so I was quite impressed with the level and the quality of players and also now the coaches with some of the new teams coming in and the coaching staff and their, their, you know, ancillary staff they brought in. It's just going to bring that, bring the MLR to another level, which is great. You know, that's 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 what it's all about. What I learned about the Sabercats is that we've got a great bunch of group of players, and a great management and a great ownership team, and and I've got some great staff around me. So I learned that we were definitely on the right track. Yes, we didn't win some games that we probably should have, but. I think I've alluded to with Dan before that we put in some new systems, obviously a new coach coming in, um, but, you know, we just tried to implement things on the field, but also implement things off the field, Pete, you know, and what I look for in, in players and what's been really good, especially now when we've all got to bond together and work hard to make this work, uh, is the culture and the character that we can take forward going into the season. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, the season ended early and it's going to be, what, 11 months or something <laughs> from one game to another. How did you, like, like um, what did the Sabercats do and how did you stay in contact with the players and kind of help them continue to develop through the longest off-season ever, ever? Yeah, <laughs> the longest season off-season ever in the whole world, yeah. yeah. No, look, we were pretty lucky. Um, well, not lucky, I guess, it would worked out that, we signed a lot of new players and we signed them on a, you know, two or three year uh, contract first because of the visas. So there was a fair little, a fair bit of change in the personnel with the Sabercats when we came in and also with the coaching staff. So that was a, a little bit of a plan for some longevity and some stability, which I think worked in our, in our favour with the season cut short and the guys were, were, were fresh in their minds with, with how we wanted to, to uh, structure our plays and what sort of systems we wanted to put in place. Um, so that's worked in our favour, as I said. So it's been a little bit easier probably than a lot of the other teams when they've had a fair turnover of, 
of players and also the, the, the new teams coming into the competition. Uh, so we were able to maintain contact. We've got a communication portal that works really well for us. And obviously Zoom now is, is, is you know, the, the way to go with the communication. So it was good that we didn't have to really go over a lot of things. So we, you know, I spent a bit of time revising our playbook and different things. And obviously our strength and conditioning and head of high performance, Ashley Jones, was all over it. You know, he was feeding the guys information all the time. They were still doing their fitness and their requirements with Broncos and, and he was just uh, communicating with those guys directly. And then we'd have, you know, uh, monthly Zoom meetings where we'd get on the, the Zoom with all the players. And obviously then the new players we signed were just invited straight in and, um, you know, it'd be a little bit of a learning curve for them. But to answer your question, we're in a good place because of that reason that we had that stability and, and we, we had the, uh, probably 75% of the squad going forward into this year that, that, that uh, understood where we wanted to go. Eels, you've been coaching for a long time, mate, and you, you probably would agree if things are going too smooth and there's usually a big road bump or, or a hiccup about to come, uh, you weren't in the country long. Dallas pulls out for the season. How has that changed your approach? A, losing a team in Texas that you're going to play against, losing a team out of the West Conference that you're going to play against multiple times. And then the third thing, Heels, how did you address what has now been the supplemental draft and seeing uh, a late surge of talent that once was not available mm. that very quickly became available to you and the Sabercats? That's a good question, Dan. But, you know, obviously being here now and seeing what happened, like firstly, you, you know, as a coach, you know, I feel for the players of the Dallas board in, you know, there, there's a lot of players on the way there and found out and different things, but obviously they weren't in the right position to 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 take it forward. But obviously then they had to make a decision so uh, to to inform all the players. Like, as I said, probably uh, my disappointment is for the players and the coaching staff who, you know, would have been like me 12 months ago, ready to come to America and start a new challenge and, and it's all sort of been turned on their heads. So... Um, but the MLR has done the right thing, I think, with that draft, trying to look after the players. And, and as you said, there was there was quite a few players that obviously, you know, you look at as a coach and as a management team to, to um, recruit. And I think they recruited, they recruited well. They recruited a lot of young players. Obviously, they wanted to build a team around a fairly strong tight five and, and things like that. A lot of, you know, Mooningham and a few guys went there. So... Uh, and I know that they've had a lot of young players come through there. And uh, and in to answer your question about the draft, obviously, you know, we've we've had a few little bumps in the roads since we finalised our squad, and that'll be no secret when it all kicks off again. So we were actually looking for a couple of players. So I guess the roll of the dice sort of went a few teams' ways because I know that they had some reasonably quality players, especially guys that, you know, finished in Colorado and they're expecting to go to Dallas and then they, you know, their whole world got turned around again. So um, I think it was, as I said, it's good that the MLR offered them a, a lifeline, if you want to say that for want of a word. And, you know, we just, we were looking at some players and yeah, we, we did, as I said, we had a couple of bumps in the road and um, we're lucky to 
grab a couple of guys that we needed. And obviously with the draft, uh, you've got a week to negotiate with them. So fingers crossed, you know, we'll probably know by the end of the week if we've been successful and if uh, we can get a couple of the players that we were looking at. Obviously there were some good players around and uh, we were second pick in the draft. And, you know, by the time, by the time we got around to the second or there wasn't really a third pick because most of the most of the better players, the players that clubs wanted, were, were not there anymore. So, but I guess you've got to watch this space because at the end of the week, some clubs might not be able to negotiate with what they wanted to with the players that they've got. So these guys will become available. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. I've never sort of been in a situation like that, but um, unfortunately. You know, out of someone's disappointment, there come there comes some some a bit of luck someone else's way. And as I said, I think it's great for the players that they've been looked after like that. Not too sure about the coaches, so um, I guess we just dust it off and we move ahead. And let's hope they get their their all their ducks in a row for next year. Yeah, and I'm I'm 100% with you here. I was I really when the news came out, my first thoughts were the players. Um, <laughs> Very difficult. Some of those players that, you know, Pete and I know personally yeah. packed their lives up and moved to the city. And I think it, uh, I heard a story of one of their performance analysts or was, was in a car driving from in the Pacific Northwest and was in Arizona and they said, turn around, it's yeah. all over. So it's just, you're disappointing on many fronts, but players are side heels. It also changes the schedule. Now, I know yeah. we've still got a bit of time. I think 48 days from when we're recording to round one. You had New England at home round one. Now you have Seattle. Has that changed anything in your preseason build-up or how you're approaching this first game? Uh, not really, Dan. Like, I mean, you know, we were ready for the for Dallas, but obviously now, as you said, we've got to change our, change our thinking to Seattle and we never got to play them last year. So, and I know they've probably rebuilding a new team because they lost a few players, as I understand. So... Look, we just want to make sure we get everything right and do the best we can to, to fit everything that we need to fit in with the COVID protocols around the team and, and around the competition. So, look, we, we'll, we'll focus a little bit on them, but I think we really want to focus on ourselves. And that's how we looked at the first game against Colorado last year. And, you know, touch wood, we're playing at home and we're looking to win our first game. And so the schedule for us, for our home games, doesn't change, Dan. So... You know, we've still got our eight games at home. It's just we play Seattle first and I think we play Free Jacks second. But the actual schedule comes out on Wednesday, as you probably know. So, um, yeah, we just, you know, just want to focus on ourselves, really. Let's let's talk a little bit about the focus on the Sabercats. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about which players that you're bringing in that, that are new to Houston that we should be looking out for and maybe who... Who should we be looking to make a breakout this year? What's one of maybe some of the younger guys that, you know, you think could really um, do something this year when yeah, they were That's a good question, it? Pete. Um, we've, we've had to, you know, we've had to let a, let a few players go and, and, you know, you let them go for reasons and, and that's, that's, that's just rugby and professionalism at the moment. So, look, we've brought in, um, as I said, we've had a couple of bumps in the road, but we've brought in a, a tight head prop from a Georgian tight head prop. Yep. See that that'll give us a lot of depth. And also uh, we've brought in um, Tiana Rasmus from, from Austin as a, as a, as our hooker. 
So we wanted to, you know, we wanted to boost our type five and, and look at, um, you know, being able to make changes when necessary, quality changes to go on and off to replace the guys when they've, when they've done their job. Um, you know, we've got Rob Povey. We signed Robbie Povey, who's the Canadian international who played for Utah. Um, he, he's a quality player, so we just needed to have some options in our back line and, uh, we signed Apisai Tuiwaka, the, the guy, the Fijian second rower, who can also fill a hole in the back row if necessary. So we um, looked at him. He played for Zebra. And then Paola Balakana and Varamu Diki Diki Latu. That'll be a good one for you boys to commentate on. <laughs> There's a string of passes down the short side, but um, with the Fijian boys. But, you know, like those Fijian boys are quality and they wanted an opportunity to play in the MLR and it's great for us, you know, with, with the Fijian boys because they're good team players and, and, you know, they play well together and they lift up the guys around them. So, yeah, look, we're pretty steady. You know, we've got a, a lot of the, the, the guys back that obviously, as I said, that we signed for a reason and um, they're now, you know, a little bit more experienced in that environment and they know what to expect more so than they did last year. Um, so we're looking for, for big things there. Um, Crosby Stewart is the Canadian halfback we signed. And, and uh, you know, I've got a good relationship with Jamie Cudmore over there and Morgan Williams, who are in the academy. And Jamie's now the assistant in the national team. So um, they came highly recommended, along with Liam Murray, the loosehead prop, and Nick Hiltebrand finally gets his chance to come because he signed the contract and uh, was just having a few visa issues and he was just about to get on a plane and the MLR folded up. So he's, he's keen as mustard. So, look, you know, we've, got a, we've still got a mix of good, experienced guys and, and we've got a good leadership group. And these young guys are coming here for a reason. And that's why I signed them, because they're hungry and, you know, they're in the, in the, in the mix for, for Canada. But there's obviously a few other guys that we're looking at, like um, Val, Leo, Leo. Bell's come back and he looks fantastic. You know, he's obviously had that time off and I expect big things from him. And, and I've said it before, openly said it before that, um, you know, he'll be pushing definitely for a, for a spot in the USA Eagles, I imagine, going forward if he continues continues the way he, he uh, left off last year. Um, obviously, you know, DeVette's, DeVette's still around and Sam's still around. And, you know, the, in, the input of these younger guys then is, is going to, bring the best out of them. Um, and obviously uh, a couple of the younger guys like Kieran Farmer, Kieran did really well. You know, he's yeah. a young guy from Houston and um, he's, he's going to just get better and better and around better players. So we'd be looking for him to, to step up another notch this year, Pete. And um, also too, we got Bronson Tellis from Dallas as well. I forgot to mention before. And Bronson's a young guy with a lot of ability and, and a lot of, uh, but a lot of things to learn. But being in that environment, uh, he's uh, he's going to um, really excel, and and that's just what he needed. I think in Dallas, he was he was probably a, needed that probably twelve or eighteen months to develop himself around younger players. Whereas now he's come into our squad, and he'll be around more senior players like Diego Mano and Cecil Garber and Luke Beecham, and and these sort of guys will bring bring him up to speed quicker and, and you know, he's, he's a terrific young kid and he just wants to play rugby and learn and, 
you know, you can't you can't buy that really anywhere you go. So, um, yeah, look, it's going to be exciting if, if things go the right way and uh, we just have to wait and see what happens, I guess. All right, Dan, you can um, pick up your phone and start scrolling because I'm going to get, like, coaching nerdy with Paul, if that's, if that's okay. Oh, so just let me want to just talk mute a little real bit quick. about... What did you say? I said, let me just go on mute real quick so you don't yeah. hear my snoring. <laughs> so, um, you know, a few games last year, um, learned a lot about the MLR. There were some bits in the MLR that are sort of maybe a little bit different and not as well developed in some of the other professional leagues, right? And so things like transitions, right, aren't as sophisticated in Major League Rugby as there are in some of the other um, pro leagues. So when, when you look at that and, and you look at now what you know about the MLR, what does that mean about what your focus is when you go into preseason? You've talked a little bit about you were able to do some of the stuff last year going in, but you know, you didn't get a full season. You probably didn't implement your full systems, but learning what you learned last year, are you taking a different approach to what you implement going into this first game or is it sort of pretty standard? Um, I, I'm not going to change too much, Pete. I just want to, as I said, the guys, we're really understanding where we wanted to be in, in different different phases and facets of the game. I, I would love to have changed a few things, but obviously time is, is of the essence. And, you know, if you want you want to do quality work, then you need quality time. So, and we also, that's why we push the guys hard in that, in that break so they can come here in a reasonably, reasonably good condition because we don't really have the luxury of getting guys in here and actually getting them fit in six or eight weeks. Right. So, you know, I sat down with the staff and, and things were going well. It might not look like it on the, on the with the results, but as I said, we didn't, we lost a few games by not many. So, um, you know, didn't really want to fix something that wasn't terribly broken. And I just want guys to focus on, on where we want to go this year with, with, with different things. You know, we, we've tweaked a few things and, and, and that will take some time, but um, for the first for the first four or five games, we just need to get a gauge of where we're at and, you know, just keep working hard on the, on the things that I know can work. And the guys will embrace that. And, and, you know, as I said, I'm the sort of coach that if we need to change something, we can have a look at things and then, and then move on. Sometimes just to bounce the ball, isn't it, Paul? Like, Heel, some of those games that you lost this year, literally just to bounce the ball. The game against New York, a couple of things went against you in the second half there and the game kind yeah. of slipped away. Austin, the same way. It's yeah. very – the difference between one and four and four and one is, is not a lot. Yeah, of that, yeah, it? like a lot of um, – probably a little bit of decision-making there was, was, was at fault with us. And obviously, you go back to the Toronto game when we probably – you know, we did score that try after the full-time siren that would have maybe drawn the game or won the game, but – you know, as I said to you before, Dan, we weren't in a, we didn't put ourselves in position in the first half to be where we were in the second half. It was just the guys didn't give up and, and, and they tried the, right to the end. So, yeah, look, I, I mean, that's rugby, isn't it? But, you know, you can't, at the end of the day, you've got to drill back and, and see where you, where you were good and where you weren't good and what you needed to work on. And, uh, as a, you know, going forward, that's, that's probably where we'll look at to start the season, Pete. So... Well, Heels, always a pleasure have you on the show, my friend. I'm a big fan of you as uh, a human being first, a coach second, but you're always welcome on the MLR kickoff and excited to see what you and the Sabercats can do in 2021, mate. Yeah, appreciate it, boys. Appreciate the time and, and having a chat. It's always a pleasure at any time and 
stay safe and let's hope we see you sooner rather than later. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Paul Thanks, Healy, boys. head coach of the Houston Sabercats. Thanks, boys. Cheers. And there you have it. Year two for Paul Healy. Such a, a highly regarded coach. I got a lot of time for Paul and um, definitely a guy I would have loved playing for back in the day. Yeah. He feels uh, like a player's coach and um, very, very sharp. And, and I like his simplistic view to, to not overcomplicate what they're going to do down there and how they're going to do it. He realizes how close they were in 2020 to probably turning a corner. I know that last loss against Austin probably hurt a lot at home, but you know the loss in Toronto... Technically, they got over the line, just couldn't get the ball down. Yeah, yeah. The game you and I did in New York, you know, the, yeah. the wind just kind of died down a little bit in the second half. They never really got to fully use the wind. So, again, it was close for them, Pete, real close. Well, I think, I mean, if there's, if there's been something that's consistent in the first three years of MLR and we want it to continue is the parity. Like, there are very few blowouts in Major League Rugby. I mean, I'm, I don't know what it was like with last year, but in the first two years... I think the MLR has the most competitive professional league in the world, right? Like, and so the difference between, you know, being a Houston or Seattle in season two is probably a couple of injuries, right? Seattle were Mm -hmm. very healthy in season one and season two, not healthy in season three. And then a few bounces of the ball, right? Houston have never been outplayed. They've never been, you know, outclassed. They just haven't won the games that they could win. And I think that, um, you know, it, it, it tears your hair out as a coach, but it makes you realize that right now, like things that you do right now can make a difference because the games are always so close. So it puts a huge amount of pressure on the staff to make sure they're prepping these teams effectively because the parity means that make a mistake in selection, make a mistake in prep, and you're going to lose the game that you could have won. Mm, interesting. Jeez, super coach. I don't know, professor or the super coach? I like them both. I just feel like these <laughs> I like, nuggets I, I, I get from you. I like... I like I like the professor, but only because I like failed to get my PhD when I came over here. So it's sort of living the life that I could have had. You could be the next Elon Musk. You know, schools for losers anyway, That's and right. go go invent an electric car, and you'll be fine. All right. Speaking of electric, our next guest is just that, and he has been that for over a decade in USA rugby. I'm talking about Zach Pangelin, and none other than the man. Uh, as we talk about Pete, whose career has spanned both our careers as well. So let's go back down to Houston, Texas and jump in with Pange. All right, joined now by Houston Sabercats Utility. Big Pange, Zach Pangelian. How you doing, buddy? Been a while. Doing it's well, been a hot man. minute since, I, since I've had a warm embrace with you. I know. It might be a little longer. But, I mean, yeah, all is good, my man. All is good. So. And then uh, re-sign with the Sabercats. He's still going. Tell, tell the viewers, how old are you now? What is it a mystery? Or? Uh, coming up on 33 now. Uh, let's see. Yeah, man, I feel good. Uh, so, you know, talk what's a little secret, bit buddy? more. What's, but, what's uh, the secret? Yeah. What's the fountain of youth? Where'd you find it? Give, give old know. Uncle Dan a little secret. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know. I guess just, just the youth back on Guam is is the secret you know i have something and a lot to play for so i mean until i, I kind of told myself until someone can take the reins from me at least from from home then you know my time is done so i mean there's kids in the on the market at the moment you know as far as coming up on the on the us uh on the radar so i mean 
it's it's in a good way. It's all about the representation. Well, Zach, I, I got a chance to coach you for a hot minute at Onback um, before MLR. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what it's like for an American player, you know, an international, right, um, quality player who was playing at Onback, you know, top club, but still amateur rugby. And then MLR popped up. Was this like a no-brainer for you? Were you going to do this? Like, definitely. Was there a thought process about what you wanted to do? Like, talk to us a little bit about the decision that you made to become an MLR player. Uh, so, yeah. So, a little bit about my rugby background. So, yes, I was at Onback Old Mission Beach Athletic Club uh, for about, shoot, maybe eight, eight years nine, 10 years. Um, and when I started, it was just a rec sport for me as far as just to, to get, I was young. I was about what, 18, 17, 18 years old when I moved to California and, uh, I was there for soccer and, uh, our season had finished and a couple of the guys from Guam had played for on back at the time. And they were like, well, you got nothing to do. Why don't you come out? You played a little bit back home for the national team. So I was like, well, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, went out to one practice. Uh, fresh. I, I remember they brought the tee out and he just wanted me to kick in front of the coach. I think it was, uh, the coach was Jason Woods. Still, yep. still is. Uh, and yeah, it was just, they were like, yeah, how hard can it be just to kick off a tee from the half? And I was just slotting him. And then, after that, we chit-chat a little bit, and he was like, well, you should play in our third side game uh, this coming weekend. I was like, all right, yeah, get sipped and everything. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. And then that was all she wrote. Uh, after that season, I played – I played, or actually, that season, I played one game with D3, then I moved up to D2, then D1, and then I got to play in the Super League when it was – the Super League, that's how right, old I right. Four teams. Uh, and yeah, I was. So, I, like, I remember I turning played, up on back yeah. and seeing four teams all training separately. That was back in exactly, the day. Exactly. Right? Yeah, there was a lot of people. There, we had like military lines for, like <laughs> stretching and all that stuff. That's how many people. Um, but yeah, what so, year I mean, was this? I, uh, what what oh, year? This was two thousand and the year after Toddy, Chris Wiles left on back. Oh uh, seven. So Did they leave oh seven? Oh seven. Yeah. Yeah, they left those seven because I just came in. I got to play with Todd, uh, Wowsy, Rion Hamilton. Uh, ahead. Was also there, Chris Farah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, after that, so, yeah, after that first practice, that was it. And then I got an email from, I forgot, maybe Mike Saunders. This was when it was the NA fours, North American fours. Yep. So that was the East and West. We had a Falcons and a Hawks, Hawks and then Canada East and West got. And yeah, so I'd gotten an email. I actually got an email from the someone. I, I brought it to the coach, Woodsy. I was like, what is this? I got this email saying, you know, I'm not too sure what this is. And they, their eyes lit up. They're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, you should go. I was like, well, okay. Like, where? I don't, I don't know. Where, what is it? You know, just asking him. And he was like, well, that's your 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 foot in the door to make the American side. I was like, American side. Well, again, it's not a big deal. I was like, well, what what are you talking about? Like, I just did it for fun. 
And they're like, well, do you want to play rugby in Canada for and represent America? I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> so I ended up doing it. So I went. What happened to, I went, oh, what happened to your soccer coach? That's where I met Nessie Malifo. Oh, so uh, again, I was still on the off season. Okay, I just and, want to make sure this was like. Oh, I was. This is this is this what I mean. It all happened so fast that I was just like, well, um, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Me being young, the door of opportunity opened. So I was like, well, I'm gonna walk through the door. I'm gonna see where it takes me. You know if. My skills that my skills do the talking. If they think it's good enough, then all right, let's let's just go with it. And then after that, it was just wow, I fell in love with the game. You know, obviously more and more came, more opportunities came for me. Uh, USA Sevens, uh, they invited me. Al Caravelli invited me. Um, Craig Harley at the time was the Sevens coach for Onback, so that was also a little easier for me to get in. Because like, yeah, I have this young kid. We'll just go. Oh my God, when I got there mind blown i was like, i've never done this much running in my lifetime like and i played soccer at least that hard right i'm like god really why do we do this like why do you guys even do this you guys play soccer like that's what we're gonna do is just run we haven't we didn't even touch the ball the first week without caravelli i was just like ah but but i mean yeah so i mean a little background that was a little little thing that's that how got you got into going. rugby so talk a little bit about what happened when the MLR stood up? Like, and, and you know, you were still playing on um, right? I had heard, well, see, I had heard uh, some rumors saying there's another pro league coming on uh, that this is going to be, uh, it's going to stay. So I was like, ah, well, I already knew how pro went. So I went to Australia. I moved to Australia and I played for Randwick <laughs> in the shoot shield. So I was like, well, yeah, whatever, dude. These guys are playing it's rugby in Australia. Who doesn't want to, they're good over there. Right. That's so right. Nandwick's a great yeah. club down door, in Cookie door Beach. Door of opportunity opened. Yeah. The coach was there at Onback, and he was like, "Well, you mate, you should come over for a season." I was like, "Sure, I'll be over sometime eventually." And then two years later, I ended up going. Best best decision I've made. Um, got to play for Randwick for a season, and then that's how. And then they set it in stone that the USMLR is going to happen. So I was, uh, and then my visa was up. And then at the time, Houston Tabercats uh, head coach, uh, Justin uh, Fitzy, he rang me. Sam Windsor rang me, and he was like, uh, would you be interested? I was like, hell yeah, I would. I was like, if it's just – I was like, yeah, MLR Pro League in America? Sure, sign me up. Where would I sign up, you know, and this and that. Saying about, you know, talking about, yeah, we're going to expand the league. This is how it's going to run so far. And everything sounded great. I mean, it was great because I got to play. I finally got to play. Got here to Houston. I was like, ah, nice, warm, muggy weather. Feels like Guam. Feels like Guam. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to get stuck right in. Mosquitoes and everything. So, um, yeah. So we got it. When I finally got here, I said yes. I signed the contract. And. I'm still here. Yeah. And I'm still here. Yeah, you're one of the OGs. I think it's uh, you and Sammy Windsor. Uh, maybe a couple other boys who've been. Yes, there there's a few one. of us. Yep. So you've been kind of like Cecil a Mr. Fix It. Well. Cecil. Yeah, the Chilean sea bass. What a guy. And then, <laughs> so you've been there since you uh, won. You've been pretty versatile. You've kind of filled a lot of roles in that. What are you looking for this year in terms of how is your conversation with Paul Healy gone, Paul Emmerich? Like, what are you looking um, to bring to the Sabercats this year? 
The same, man. The same, but uh, better than I was last year. You know, um, feeling again. I I haven't really sat had my actual hard one on ones with Paul, both the Pauls, of what I want to do and what I want to play. But as of right now, it's just um, I would like to play anywhere in the back three again. Obviously, I'll I, I'll fill in where I can or where I need to. Um, at the end of the day, it's what the boys need. You know, if, and if I can do it, then I'll do it. If I even know if I don't want to, but if it's needed, then I got it. You know, so um, I've always been a team player and I always will be. Um, but yeah, so that's where, I, that's where I feel I'm needed is where the team needs me. Where the team, look at you getting all diplomatic in your old age. I you love it. You know what it. I'm saying, man? Whatever gets me on that field, coach. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I got to say, I've been doing a little stalking on the old Graham. ZP, you've been looking good on the squat rack, mate. What are you what are you pumping up there on the squat rack now? Ah, oh, man. I don't know, maybe four or five or something like that. Kilograms? Ha! I'll <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I'd be in the wrong sport if I did that. <laughs> let's let's talk about the longest off season ever. Right? Talk to us a little bit about sort of, you know, we I mean we were chatting before we uh got on the show. And, and Dan's someone that, um, you know, was retired by the time he was your age, right? And and was it's uh, it's it's tough, right? Because when these long off seasons, when you take that break, you have to make a choice as a guy in this thirties. Can you are you going to do the grind again, right? Because you know you know what the grind is, right? Um, or is is this the time to kind of step away? What was your thinking about about that, and then deciding to resign with? Uh, um first of all there's some unfinished business I mean our season got cut off um and I wasn't done yet you know I'm not done uh, as far as my body wise and I, I listen to my body now um so yeah you know at this age 30 it's about anywhere in the 30s it's obviously the back end of most people's careers and stuff um but I just wanted to stay healthy and didn't want to lose passion for the sport just yet as far as playing wise goes. So, you know, even if I had myself watching old games, uh, watching whatever rugby was available all over the world, um, whether it be even rugby league, um, rugby's rugby. And, you know, I just didn't want to lose touch of the game. Um, even if it's just watching it across the pond or whatever it is. Um, other than that, yeah, man, unfinished, unfinished business it, uh, for the most part. You know, we, we got our season. We all got our season got cut off short. So we all had a lot to – or, well, I have a lot myself to, you know, to put out still. All right, buddy. I think you'd be remiss of me if I didn't have a guest like you on the show that is, has been there since the infancy of rugby in America to now. i got to ask you some questions. Okay. We'll go overall first. I want to hear like your entire time of rugby in America. Who is your best teammate on the field and best teammate off the field? Mm. Oh, that's an easy one. Um, best teammate. Oh, man, he's kind of best teammate on the field tied to Samoa. I'm back. Eight Big T. Big T. Tied to Samoa. Was... Hands down, my best teammate on the field. Uh, 
he's also one of the best off the field. But since, you know, there's also another guy I got to mention, uh, or Oren Catret. Um, he is one of on He was one of the, the centers slash wings, uh, when I was over at on he's also the strength and conditioning coach for San Diego state, the football team. Ah. Um, yeah, we go way back. So, I mean, he was here from the get go. Uh, he's helped me in many ways that, I couldn't even believe it, you know. So off the field, rugby guy, he, he's he's definitely up top. All right. Scariest guy to tackle that you've ever played against? Oh, Simon Mano. <laughs> that was Simon pretty Yeah. I think, I, I, think, I think it's a whole generation of American rugby players. Yeah. That, <laughs> that oh, no, but these guys, see, a lot of people don't, don't realize when you see that man running at you and you're just a little weak, tiny guy, and the last line of defense was like, ah, oh, great, because here we go, guys. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, a couple of so shows like, ago, I was telling this monster of a man just running at you, like, ah, oh, great. Do I go yeah. low? Just, if I go low, I'm, I'm, whatever, dude. Just hey, hey, get caught up in on. the spokes, right? That's the yeah. tackle. Just get caught up in the spokes and bring them yes, down. Dude, yeah, those those somehow. aren't normal spokes, though. That's not a push bike <laughs> spoke. That's like a. But I mean, yeah, the whole like Sherman Tank Golden Gate. That yeah. whole team. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I was telling a story on a, a couple of shows ago. I had to play against him one day, and after about sixty minutes, he's just he just had enough of beating me up. Like, and he started like helping me off the ground. He's like, "Are you are you okay? Like, is everything okay?" I'm like, Mate, "Just stop." He was he was playing eight. He would literally pick the ball up. Our seven would not break. We'd just hold on to the bind. No, and he'd just run straight at me, and he'd be under one arm, and I'm like, "He's not going to pass." He's not doing anything. He's just going to run over me. It's one on one. Try and hurt me. <laughs> and he knew every time that one on one, he he was the better man. He nothing. Yeah. Nothing bad was ever going to happen to him in that situation. And it didn't. And he, yeah, he beat me up really good. But he picked me up afterwards. And he's one of the best guys. He's one of my favorite roommates of all time. He's just a great guy. Big summit. Yeah, I remember that day too. I I I tried to tackle him. I was like, ah, oh, damn, stiff arm, all shucks. I'll chase him because I can catch him. And then I got him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't chase him. I had someone oh, else chase me at that point. I, mean, I look for a hole. Him, so he can't see me. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's focus on MLR stuff now. Teammates. We'll start with the Sabercats. Who's got the best rig at Houston? Who's got the best body? Who's always ooh. got their shirt off? Ooh, that's – ooh. There's a, let's see here. Who am I? Uh, Kieran Farmer. The young fellow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got a younger one now that, uh, I don't know, I, he lives in England, so, I mean, doesn't really see the sun. So, maybe that's why he shirts <laughs> off all the time. Uh, Zach Godfrey. Oh, the Ginger Ninja. Yes. 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 He might be want to be careful in that Houston sun. There's not, yeah, the not much melanin there. Oh, I'm telling you, yeah. He's like, give me a few days. I'm going to be as mm, dark as Malachi. <laughs> I don't like his chances, but... Uh, oh, yeah. But I'm like, you probably will burn up, dude. All right. Next one. Diego Mano. Has he ever smiled? Or is he just the angriest man when he's on television? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. He, he is uh, the angriest guy on our team. Easy. Hands yeah. down. All right. Now yeah, we're going on social down. media. Instagram. Who is the best at Instagram and who thinks they're the best at Instagram? Oh, okay. Uh, let me, uh, let me see who is the best at Instagram here. Um, man, he's 
Val Lilo. Val Lilo's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, who, think, who thinks they're good, though? Val is good. Who, who thinks they're who uh, thinks influencer? They're Let's see. Oh, Nico, the Argentinian. <laughs> He's a prop. Well, what's he, what's he put out? What, what's his content? Huh? What's his content? What do you think is so good? Oh, his shirt's always off. Oh, he's one of the shirt dudes all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nico. What? I don't even know how to say his last name. I just call him Nico Argentina. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 47 yeah, days until kickoff. Best content. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, solid. Shirts off in almost every other picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah all right, let's him. let's let's talk let's let's get away from the teammates and put you on the spot. Let's let's talk about your MLR opponents. So and and you know let's uh, um, put Samu aside and say who was your who well who's the toughest um, player that you've played against in MLR? Who's the guy that you're like that was a great battle that I had with with that with that guy? Um, probably. Yeah, probably San Diego. Uh, at least, yeah, their back three is really good. So, so I mean, I, I got to say that. Uh, I I'd probably say, uh, like, if I was on the wing, it'd probably be the – at the time, it was it was Ryan. Ryan Mattias and one – I forgot the Fijian's name. Um, it, yeah, one Toto, of the – Toto Vassau huh? and, and Tira Patterson were the two Fijian wingers. Toto Vassau. Todd of a sale, yeah, he he yeah. was a handful, yeah, yeah, him, uh, definitely. And, and, and then, um, who's your favorite MLR player to watch? Can't be a saber cat. Who's the guy that you're like uh, when he's on TV? You're like, oh, I want to go watch that guy. Uh, I don't know if he still plays for San Diego. Um, the number ten, the Sapo. Oh, Joe Peterson. Yes. Yeah, yes. what a class. Yeah, class he's, he's, class he's, human being. There's nothing too. flash about him. He's just he's just knows the game, man. It's just not at least now for me, I understand a lot about the game and I wish I could pick his brain. You know, he, it's, he, he always has time. He's got the ball like the game For some reason, and all the pressure right? that you yeah. see on it's like he's so cool, calm and collective in that pocket. And he's just like, I know what to do. Here you go. <laughs> like <laughs> The pressure, but I mean, hey, you know that comes with experience, and yeah, he's definitely one of the players that I I enjoy watching. He does protect rhinos in Africa, so I'm guessing I saw that. pressure of rugby is probably not too much when you got guys <laughs> with guns chasing you around and you're trying to save rhinos. So yeah, maybe maybe you should go save some of those guam bats and uh, in guam <laughs> take the pressure off. Yeah, I think uh, so. Probably take my all right. slingshot too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Sabercats, how do you lift the shield up this year, mate? How do you win the whole thing? What are you going to do? And don't say win, um, win all the games because I, I want something a little bit more you know, meaningful, a little more heavy. Just, I think it's just finding, uh, you know, especially this year uh, with the situation that's going on, we just need to find some some way somehow to, to gel together as much as we can because uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's us 15 on the field or – whatever it is, the 23, match day 23, that's going to win the game. Um, but it's all the hard work behind the curtains, you know. Uh, and uh, I think personally it's just 
getting to know each other and then finding what 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 ticks each other off you know what i'm saying like like what gets them going what what gets them what pulls them to do their best to bring out the best person in them um so once we find that you know if we can find it in within each each other i think i think that'll help us also on the field as well because obviously everything happens off the field it translates on the field so i mean if we could find with all this craziness going on, just fine tune and and find some kind of camaraderie when you know we step on the field together. Uh, I think that'll take us where we need to go. You know, I mean, we haven't seen the playoffs in since we even started this season, but are the year uh, MLR. But obviously, it's something to get to. It's something to look forward to. And just making the playoffs isn't going to be, you know, I, I'm not one to be happy with second best. F that, you know, I, I want to win just like everybody else, but it's the kind of work that you put in and also that you're accountable for your teammates. So, well, Pansh, sorry, bud, you, you're one of my favorites, mate. You know that. And uh, that question, who do you want to watch on TV? It's always you, buddy. I love watching you play. Keep doing what you're doing for the Saber Cats. Keep ticking that box for the old guys out there, giving us a little hope or live vicariously through you. Good luck in 2021. Excited Thank to see you, you back out there and do your stuff for Houston. And uh, I, I think with that attitude and, and, and the right people leading the way, brighter days ahead for Houston, uh, for sure, mate. Yeah. Good to see you, my brothers. Well, that's, that's, that's probably one of our best interviews. I think you and I personally have a lot of time for Zach and have spent a lot of time with Zach. So it's always... Good to catch I, up with old friends. Yeah, I, I have to say, and, and you talked about he can do, like he can let you do anything on a rugby pitch. And I know when I was coaching, it, it's, you know, you kind of have to rein yourself in as a coach because you could be like, well, we could have this guy pop up anywhere. He could pop up at first receiver. He can pop up at the wing. He can be in the centers. Like, you know, playing him at full fullback gives you that freedom, but kicks off both feet, passes off both feet, has an amazing step, has pace. I mean, it's, it's a, it, and just a, like, he's one of those guys that when you coach, his enthusiasm for the game rubs off on you. He just loves to play rugby, right? He has a passion for it. And you just, you know, even at practice, he's like, let's do it again. I mean, you kind of heard it a little bit with his seven stories, right? I mean, he would, but, but he, he loves those stories. He loves the, the Broncos and he loves the running, right? I mean, he doesn't, but, but you can see his passion. He knows those are things that he has to do to do what he loves to do. And, like what a what a great guy! Hey, unbelievable! I would have to say probably one of the most talented players I've ever played with. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. like like you said, and just exuberant, and it's contagious being around him. He's just a great guy to be around, and just yeah, a, just one of the all time good teammates. And, and and it's interesting because you know I think Zach probably in his international career suffered by being a bit of a maverick. Right, he's an intuitive player, so he plays what's in front of him. Make the choice you want as a coach. And I think there are some coaches that like to have more control. Um, and I think, I think he probably suffered a little bit in terms of his international appearances, but if you can, you know, if you have a coach and I think Hills might be one of those guys that can let him just go out and express himself, he can be a game changer. Absolutely. Take that pressure off him and which, which is, I think what they're going to try to do just make him more right. of a circuit breaker type player and let him kind of do his thing. All right. We had that interview. That was a good interview. We're going up to the Pacific Northwest now, Pete. Starfire Stadium, it, it's always electric when we go up there. It's rocking. One guy who we were super excited to see in 2020, unfortunately, 
didn't really get to see the full potential that is, is former Wasp flyer Ross Neal. Ross, after this, you'll see why, folks, could be the new go-to when we talk Seattle Seawolves. Take a listen. All right, we are joined now by Seawolves flyer Ross Neal. And Ross, appreciate you joining the show, brother. Back in the U.S., how are things going since you've been back in Seattle? Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, it's delightful. It's just, uh, yeah, we're in lockdown in England, so it was pretty miserable. Um, back out here, doing a little bit of training with the boys. No team training, just weights and a bit of running in small groups. But it's, um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Back in the team environment. It looks looks like you're in a nice setting too. Who are roommates? Who are you betting down with? Who have you got in the house this year? Uh, we've got a good good lineup in the house here. We've got your old mate, Brad Tucker. Um, yeah, he was uh, forward, forward of the year, wasn't he, in 2019? Yeah, I think it was forward of the year, something like that. Forward of the year. Uh, of the yeah, year. Was, no, I think you're right there. Forward of the year. Forward of the year. Um, he's beneath me, so I hear everything from Brad. Um, then I've got Ben Seema. Um, ben Seema, Nakai Penny, and Justice Sears Duru. So a bit of a, yeah, a good mix of lads in there. That's a good crew. We'll dive a little deeper into that later, Pete. But uh, how how preparations been for season two? Because let's talk season one for you. Obviously, probably not how you envisioned it. You broke your hand in game one. Uh, global pandemic surfaces in, in round five. Not how you saw your American journey panning out, I guess. What are some of the positives you take from it, though? Yeah, not, not exactly how I would want it to go. But um, I... When I left England, when I left Was, I wasn't necessarily enjoying my rugby. I just wanted a bit of a, a, a new start somewhere else. And um, I definitely got that when I came here. I was loving the day-to-day with the team and the culture and the place. I loved all that. So um, when I when I went back after the pandemic hit, it was deciding on whether, you know, London Irish offered a contract. So it was, do I want to play full-time with Irish or come back to um, Seattle? And I think, you know, I, I knew I'd be walking away from a real enjoyable place where the rugby's good, it's growing. And um, I sort of had done that premiership. So I'm not sure if I wanted to do that anymore. And so it's such a, it's an attritional league, 11 months of the year, very hard to break in and stay in. I just thought out here is something exciting and new and I love my time. So um, for me, it was a, that was the real positive was just finding that place where I think I can develop most as a player, person, everything. So yeah, that, that side of things are great. Well, you know, um, everyone else has had the longest off-season ever. It's going to be about 11 months when they step on the field to play again. But you have a bit of an advantage because you played some rugby this fall with London Irish. Can you talk a little bit about what the premiership was like under COVID restrictions and what that experience was like as a player? Yeah, it it was odd. Um, So I was at London Irish before uh, for three years in their senior academy. And by when I went back, I think there was one player, which was Blair Cowan, that was there from my first year. So the whole rest of the squad had changed. So it was, um, I think, promotion, relegation, that player turnover was huge. Um, But it was... It was kind of surreal because you weren't allowed to go and mingle with any of your teammates or get to know anyone because you get there. You have to sit in your car till you've been temperature checked and you have to go straight to the gym in small groups of six. Then you're out to the field. Then once you finish on the field, you have to go straight away. So for the COVID protocol, so you can't really do anything. Like Um, no socialising, very difficult to build culture, literally just the rugby, right? Yeah, I mean, they they had some social settings there that were trying to put something together, but they were literally like, well, we can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. So, you know, what you've got left is Zoom quizzes or, you know, that's pretty much it. Like, so it was was quite tough (laughs) to... I I, I knew a few of the boys that were younger than me 
and um, when I went back other than that it was very hard to get to know the lads but um yeah it was the rugby was weird as well no fans um uh I guess some people might say with Irish that's pretty normal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no it was, it was I mean this is being recorded right <laughs> I'm just like, like oh they won't hear this I hopefully no no the Irish fans are actually really good but we were playing at the stoop anyway so right. um we because they're in that weird transition between moving to Brentford from uh the Medeski so it's um yeah it was it was really weird but good to get some games played six out of the nine games for them so it was probably a little bit more than I was expecting and now you're you're coming into season two obviously season one not not what what you wanted um what are some of the goals that you have coming into season two what are some of the things you want to accomplish um i think for the team um last year it was anything short of winning would be disappointing because uh we'd won the first two years so anything short of that would be disappointment um i think we've kept a lot of the squad together so that's something that people don't value as much as it should be as having all the same players and we've kept a lot of them um is quite beneficial i think a lot of other teams have turned quite a few over but um so i think for us if we don't win we just be disappointed and me on a personal note i just want to um be playing my best rugby uh, and, and get back to you know consistently playing well um which i've had periods of when i was at wasps and london scottish before that but we've had such a long time off i just want to get back to that consistent level again Let's talk about some of the players that are coming in and then yourself. Positionally, where do you see yourself fitting into the Seawolves in 2021? Um, I'd say preferred position will be 13 if I if you ignore everything else and that's where I'd want to play. Um, but equally, uh, you know, I don't know who else we're going to have playing 12 this year. Maybe Shalom and maybe other people coming in who are better at 13, which means I who are more comfortable at 13 so I can play 12. Um and then, you know, I was playing lock in Bermuda. So I'm <laughs> adding strings to my bow at the moment. But, um, yeah, well, no, I, I, mean, think... I, mean, I mean, you are built like a back row forward, right? I know. I'm, I'm heavier than I was joking with Brad. I'm actually heavier than Brad at the moment. But then he says he's faster than me over 10. So it's, uh, <laughs> I just think we're, we're interchangeable at the moment. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, about 114 kilograms, which is the heaviest I've ever been in the preseason. So we'll... Uh, We'll see. It's weird because a rugby player, you you think rugby players gym loads of the time, you know, all the time. But actually, in season, you never really get to do any building sessions. It's all maintenance and power and strength. So you usually get maybe a month of hypertrophy trying to build a bit of muscle. So this has been quite a nice break. We've had ten months almost of just whatever you can do in your house with the weights you've got to try and put on, you know, a little bit of size. So I feel quite good coming into season. A um, little bit heavier, a little bit more focused. Yeah, it was always interesting, wasn't it? Turn up to pre-season, you jump on the scales, and then you do your exit. At the end of the season, you're usually six to eight kilos lighter than when you came in, and you just don't feel any different. Yeah. But, it, yeah, the season definitely is a grind. Who, uh, who are you excited about coming into the squad? New players. I know you talked a little bit about 12. You've got Aaron Matthews. You, mm. within, uh, you saw him down in Bermuda. He's coming through some injury issues now. Also, JP Aguari, he's coming over from New York. Anyone else that they've signed that you're kind of excited to play with? Well, I don't know whether there's some that they haven't announced yet, but um, oh, <laughs> I know that are coming that are good players. So what we so. usually do on the show, Ross, is just what does it rhyme with? And then so we don't actually give it away. But... <laughs> Ross, Ross, I'm I'm gonna step in because Dan's notorious for getting guys into trouble. So yeah, not just just you know, you can say I mean you can be the teaser. Right? Yeah, and I can well I, I don't know what I can say, but I know that the 
someone who's already signed that I used to play with when I when I was at Wasps that um, you may not have heard of, but was very very good player. Um, but sat behind a few world-class players. So if you were at the club, you knew he was real good, but um, who was looking for a little bit of a change up like myself, who will be coming over, but I can't oh, say, on. We, can't say you more than that. Were you but the agent here? You were like... Well, I've asked for my cut. Was there like, yeah. like one <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But um, yeah, they were just looking around this. You know, I was slightly involved, but um, yeah, it's a good player coming from there. Uh, JP, Juanpi, um, best looking Best second best looking centre at the club now. Oh, um, <laughs> 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 yeah, you've got to you've got to have good self awareness. But yeah, he's a good looking boy, great guy. So he was in with the in the Royals team with me in Bermuda. I just got to know him well. Um, and Aaron, who got in a couple of nights ago, and uh, it was good to see him. He's a sharp little player as well. So mm-hmm. a couple of centres coming in to just in case I, you know, we all get injured again in the first two weeks. Um, and so they're good players. And then who else have we signed that has been announced? I don't even know at the moment. Um, you tell me. Car- Carly yeah, McKinnon is going to be listening to this. She'll be coming after you, Ross. I know, she'll be unhappy with me. I'd like, like to point out that um, from what I can tell, Dan, Ross remembers all the centres that have been signed and no one else. So hey, he's I, like, what's my competition? Hey, <laughs> our centres are a very tight-knit brotherhood and we're not like to stick together. Right, but actually, I can't... I, Genuinely trying to think, though, the two draft picks were both centre-back three. Uh, Juanpi, who's a centre-back three as well. I'm trying to think who else you've actually signed that's been announced. So Might need um, some forwards to get you the ball. Old old BC forward of the year, he might be working double time just to get you some quality ball. I know, he's, he's trying his absolute hardest to avoid being in the second row. He likes to, likes to think of himself as a six. I think that's where we'll be playing this year. But um, we've still got some big guys who have re-signed, like Andrew Duotalo. Um, yeah. Yep. Nakai in the back row, Brad, um, Big Rick, the captain, and then we've got two South African locks um, that Keith has brought in. Um, so I think we'll we'll do a little bit better on the front foot this year. Uh, our front three, our front um, front row will still be good there. Um, yeah, and a few backs to bolster the squad. So we, um, yeah, hopefully a little bit more potent offset pieces here. Let's do a little deep dive into the squad. All right. Yeah. Best best rig. Who's got the best body in the squad? And you, okay, I'm going to give you a pass on this one. You are excluded. I'm just going to assume yeah, you're one it goes in all these categories. So, you know, by default, yes, yeah, yeah. Thanks for giving me that opportunity. Um, I, I'd have to say Nikai, though. He's um, my housemate. I don't know how he does it. He only drinks his chocolate milk and has one of the best rigs. Is his I chest see, real? So does he have? Does he have implants? Is that because I've he took his shirt off and I'm like, we don't ask. We don't ask. Oh. Okay, we just yeah, just say looks good. But um, no, <laughs> I'd say he's probably got the best rig. I'd say yeah. Okay, I mean, who who's the most active on Instagram? And then two parter, who's the most active and who thinks they're the biggest influencer on Instagram? Um, I think our new signing JP Aguirre. I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram, but there are some there are some rogue posts there that I'm not sure I'd be able to put up myself. So I'd have to say he's probably one of the biggest. Who else is pretty big? I mean, you, you'll know as well as me on the Instagram side. Um, there are a few loose posters out there. Yeah. But Whampy would have to be the number one. I, I wish Metch was a little more active on Instagram. I feel like he's Very got a, a lot to say. Left. Flies under the radar, and that's not that's no accident, I don't think. Um, no. But yeah, he's not he's not active either. Then 
who who's the wannabe influencer? Um, I don't know. I, I, th- I think my name would be thrown in there if you were asking other people ah, <laughs> as, a little, as a little wannabe. But um, other than that, yeah, I'd say JP's going to come in and take that crown straight away. So Yeah, it's a good crown. All right, now now the roommate, the, the Fab Five uh, living yeah. in the house right now. Who's the dark cloud? Who brings the house down the most? Who brings the house down the most? You've actually got a pretty positive house, I'd say. There's a good group of guys. Um, who brings it? No, yeah, I don't think I could give out that. I don't think that's a fair. That's not a fair one. Fair there was all, there was... anyone house. Everyone's quite cheery. I, I, but yeah, maybe I that means it's me. I don't know. <laughs> if I can't name one, maybe that's, that's isn't that the joke? Me. If you if you don't know who it is, it's probably you. But there, there's your answer. Then there's your answer. Uh, Gordon Ramsay. I have a question oh. about the roommates. Sorry. Which go. which of the roommates would you least likely to go on a long road trip on? Like like you're going from Seattle down to Florida. Which of your roommates do you not want to drive with? I not want to drive with. We're just we're just trying to we're trying to screw him right here, Dan. Let's see if we can squirm out of this one. These are nasty questions. Are you not asking me who's who would I most like to go with? I know, I know. That's um, the point. <laughs> who would I least like to go with? Um, who gets moody quickly? Brad gets moody quickly, so I'd have to say no, Brad. I can see that. I think while the sun's out, while the sun's out, he'd be happy. But the second we hit a few bumps in the road, he'd mm. turn on me. So I'd say Brad. I've actually felt that before, Ross. Yeah, yeah, I bet you have. We all have. So yeah, we all have. Yeah. Let's do let's do some fun ones. We've been that's that's a little rough going up. Right? Who, do you, <laughs> who who do you hate in your house? Who do you want to kick out of the house? That's kind of rough. But who's who's the best cook? Who are you happy to see in the kitchen when you wake up or you come home from practice? Um, I'd say the best cook's probably Ben. Ben Seema. He's always getting these nice, like, baked trays of pasta dishes and all these nice things and experimenting with things. So I'd say Ben's probably the best cook. And then um, DJ and I probably bring up the rear on that one. We're very much, if it goes in an oven, takes 20 minutes, that'll, that'll do. So, or Uber Eats, either Uber or. Eats. So, or yes. Uber Eats, that's right. They need to sponsor the show, Uber Eats. All right, last one. Last one on the roommates. You're building a band. I need a lead singer, a lead guitarist. I need bass. I need drummer, and I need cowbell. Okay, got to have that cowbell, Ross. Build the band out of the housemates. Let's hear it. Singer, um, you know, main guy, lead singer. You're looking right at there. It's me. Yeah. Okay. So the I actually had. We have a singing group at the Seawolves called the Sea Tones, um, of which I created <laughs> when I came over. Uh, Mike Shepard's actually our main singer, and we actually we've lost the other two singers this season, so I'm going to have to do a bit of a recruitment process. To... I, I feel like I feel like there's a there's a like some sort of single that's going to come out if you make it to the final. The Sea Tones, I like it. Oh, sorry, I lost you there, Pete. What did you say? I said, I said, I think, I think maybe there's a single that needs to come out from the C tones if you make the final. It's a sort of an in-house band, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. It's a more of a barbershop quartet as well. So it's for, it's by the boys for the boys. Um, so maybe one day we'll see what Carl, if Carly tries to exploit it. We'll see. Um, but the other members of the house, what have we got? The cowbell, I think would probably be Nick I think he wouldn't want to get. I don't think he want any screen time. Yeah. So he'd just ring his bell. And what, what, what my other three? I need a lead guitarist, a bass guitarist, and a drummer. Okay, bass guitarist is definitely DJ. I can see him just in the club. Slapping the bass. I think that would be DJ. Uh, Lead guitarist, I think Brad would like that. Oh, no. Put Brad. 
drums. I think he'd like to bash around and then Ben, lead guitarist, I say that. Lead guitar. He's got the hair. He's got that hair for lead guitar, so. start whipping it around. Yeah. Actually, that was a good band. Yeah, that's a good band, isn't it? The C tones, the C flats. Uh, could be something. <laughs> we could be onto something here. I like the C flats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's the next let, one? Next question. Let's let's jump into some more rugby stuff here. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm running out of the trivial stuff. So, who have you circled, mate? Who have you circled on the schedule as a game that you're really excited to play against this year? Um, I think San Diego is always a circle name. I think because they pushed us and they, you know, we nicked the final of them before I got there and then first game of the year and they got one over on us. Um, they got some big names there. They didn't lose a game last year. There's a lot of, I think that would be the game I'll be looking forward to as a team to turn over. Um, and if we could, then that would be, I think that would be a real confidence boost for the team. Um, other than that, the LA team seems to be picking up some nice names. So I think that would be a good game, um, good game for us. And, Austin have got a few boys that I know and that have, I've played with at the Royals or London Irish or lads that were at uh, like Hassler, who's there now. So I think that game would be one that I'd be looking at as well. Those would be, if I had to pick no down to a few, those would be the ones. Pete, which game are you circling for Seattle? Oh, um, you know, I haven't even got to the point where I'm circling the games yet, Dan. Um, I think... The consummate that... professional roster, guys. Right. <laughs> He's prepared. He's... What I'm, you know, always playing both sides. I'm not like Dan. I don't like jump on a team and like wear the hat for a few weeks and make the team think and then change my hat. I'm just like neutral the whole way. Really? You don't have a favorite team? What you does. say? You just won't admit it. No, no. I want, must, I want rugby to be the winner, Ross. But you must have a place that you visit and you're like, oh, this feels better than everywhere else. So there's, well, I mean, I have to say that probably for atmosphere on a regular season game, I think Starfire is probably the most fun atmosphere. Yeah, I think that probably the um, like on a, for a regular season, but I think the the semifinals in San Diego and the final in San Diego have been pretty pretty cool. Like when they when they're rocking and they got six thousand people in the stands. So those yeah, are, but what you're saying is that they need it to be a big occasion for it to be good. Whereas Seattle, that's right, that's right. No, no, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I hear. I've read between the lines. Yeah, okay, so thanks. So you know, I want to um, you know, last year you guys didn't start well. Right. Um, and so do you have an idea about like what's going to be different this year and, and, and maybe how, how you can start differently? Have you guys talked about that? I mean, talk, talk to us a little bit about like what the team has been talking about when it comes into the season, like in your WhatsApp group and, and in your Zoom calls and stuff like that. Give, give away some of the some of the secrets. Yeah, I mean, there's no getting away last year. I think we got a little bit of a let off halfway through being, you know, seasons cancelled. I don't think we were anywhere near where we wanted to be. Um, we only won one game. Um, we did have a lot of injuries. I think that's yep. that's got to be true. I think if we had played that next game in New York, we were really thin on the ground for players. Um, so look, having a healthy team is, is is a big part of it. It's not necessarily something you can completely control, but I think if we can keep everyone fit. Um, and then, you know, we've, like I said, we've kept a lot of people together. So we're just going to keep building on those bonds. We haven't been able to do any team training yet. So it's hard to say what we you know put into practice because we haven't had a chance to do that yet um but there's definitely we've had that almost that shock of well it didn't go well last year so right. we now know that we can't afford a slow start we've got to come in all guns blazing um and be putting teams to sword no matter who it is um and every game is a huge game um 
I don't, I don't know what the exact structure is when it comes to the end game of the season and the playoffs. And it may only be one or two teams from each conference, which means there's not a lot of room for error. So I think that season may have provided us a little wake-up call. That otherwise, if last season had carried on, we probably wouldn't have been able to um, bring that back. Whereas now we have got that chance uh, to start anew. So, yeah, hopefully we can do that. Well, big fella, and I can call you that now at 114 kgs. <laughs> Excited to see you run around in 2021. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's not often you get to talk to such a, a great person from Seattle. Usually, you know, we get like <laughs> forward of the year or well, you I mean, know, I mean, die box turner. And... I, I I suggested Brad Tucker for the interview, and Dan was the one that was like, "Now he's been on too much." Hasn't been texting me back. So you I don't didn't want say before, Pete. You said you specifically wanted me, and you and Dan both agreed that you wanted me on the show. <laughs> I don't know why you're changing your tune for the, yeah. for, the for the podcast, but yeah. Well, Brad, Brad has Brad has a gun to Carly's head for all media stuff. There has to be him every time. So if it doesn't, he marches straight. Well, in. Now, why now, you weigh more than him. You yeah. can be like, dude, like don't push, don't push me around, right? He knows. He knows now. That's why. That's why I'm here, and he's not. You see. <laughs> Does he have a T-shirt that says "Forward of the Year 2019"? Does he wear that practice? Yeah, yeah, he does. I mean, he's very proud of that "Forward of the Year" title. Yeah. I would be proud. too. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a good achievement. I'm really happy for Brad for winning "Forward of the Year." So all listeners who didn't know that, Brad Tucker won "Forward of the Year." Well done, Brad. <laughs> Congrats, Brad. Congrats, Ross. Excited to see you play, mate, and uh, excited to Rob see the Rose. Seawolves get back into that form that we saw in the first two years. And you're going to play a big part in that, I'm sure, as well. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers for having me on, guys. Pleasure. I got to tell you, it's, it's, geez, life's going to be difficult for me now, isn't it? I'm expecting some phone calls and angry messages from up in Seattle after this one, but I appreciate well, Ross's honesty. Well, well, let's, let's, you know, talk about forward of the year 2019. Did Eddie you? Ryan. What did you say? It was a Paddy Ryan was the forward of the year 2019, right? So what was Brad Tucker? He was the player of the year. He was the player of the year 2019. But um, apparently, well, I mean, didn't you reach out to Brad to confirm that? What was what was your conversation? I did. He just he just sent me back um, a poster, a picture of a poster of him uh, that says player of the year 2019. And uh, <laughs> B Tucker. Yeah. No, I, you got to love the old-fashioned stitch-up. How good are those? Like, yeah, yeah. One of the things you miss the most. It, it, was, it was good. But, you know, I think, like, like you said, I think Ross Neal, I mean, here's a guy that's been starting in the Premiership this autumn, right? This fall. He's been playing for London Irish, um, playing well. And, you know, I love it when these guys say, and I want to do something different. It's such a grind over there. This is so different over here. He's going to be a big impact for the Seawolves. What I'm not sure about is where he plays. Now he's he's yeah. talked about the centers. He, he's played wing. It's kind of where he's, he gets put, but he definitely sees himself as a 13, maybe a 12. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Kias leverages Ross Neal um, this year, because he's definitely a talent. Yeah, I got the feeling that the business consultant and the professor were getting together at the same time in the interview. You're kind of hinting, what about wing? You know, what do you mean? He played, he said he played, played his best ever game on the wing and, you know, it's 114 kgs, which is, is getting close to 250 pounds. So just so yeah. people know. And Ross is tall, he's 6'4". So, and he carries the weight well, but having that coming off the blind side in the wing or even well, barreling think, down on kick returns. Yeah, 
You're right. I mean, I think the reason why we're seeing wings of that size is because they're versatile in the attack. So when you have the blindside wing, you can have them take the ball off the scrum half, off the inside, outside 10, inside, outside 12. And that ability to kind of come off and provide a little bit of difference um, from the blind side is the reason why you've seen some of those bigger wings. You know, we, you can see, you know, we've seen it in the MLR. We've seen some of these Fijian guys that are back row forwards end up moving out to the wing. And it's just because it ends up being a real weapon, particularly on set piece that's become so important in the modern game, the ability to get over the game line and create that fast ball that, you know, I, I, yeah, I think, I think Ross probably plays 13. I think you can be smart and innovative if you want to use them in a different way. Um, 13's the hardest position to defend. So the question that I would have is you got a six foot four guys, 114 kgs. Can he, what's his footwork like? Can he defend out there? Right. What's his lateral work like? And so like, like we didn't see enough of Ross to know. So I think that there'll be some um, interesting discussions, but um, a talent and obviously an entertaining guy. So yeah, absolutely. Oh. he joked about going into the second row. Well, there was a winger that went into the second row for San Diego and Yasavera Malua. Right. Well, we had Moni Tomawia who went into the back row from the center. So yep. I, I somehow feel like Ross's rugby career is more defined in terms of his position, though. Than those guys who were just phenomenal athletes who just kind of figured it out too. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy. Here's a guy that's played professional rugby at the highest level in the UK, as and is brought up as a centre. I mean, his skills are going to be solid, right? Probably excellent. Um, you know, it's like like I said, it's the lateral movement. It depends on the kind of defence you want to play, um, what you want that thirteen to do, like a big an outside in, a little bit of a rugby league defence, probably good. But remember, Seattle's always played this inside-out defense. Like, it's always been a push led by Shalom Sanula at 12, and they and they push out. And, and so it's going to put a lot of pressure on that 13 to be able to cover your 13 and the fullback. And so that requires some explosiveness and some footwork. And, you know, I'm sure Russ is going to back himself, but it'll be interesting to see what the coaches do there. All right, Peter, it is time for your way too early. We'll probably change before kickoff prediction for this game. Houston hosting Seattle, round one. Who have you got? So I think I'm going to go with Houston in this game. I think they've got some continuity. I think, um, you know, Heels talked about it. I think he's going to hit the ground running. I think Seattle, you know, they've got some change there. Um, you know, Kias is still there, but I think Matt Turner stepping up into a player coaching role in the backs. Um, and, you know, I think that it's going to be, <clears throat> I, don't, I think people aren't going to realize how Im- impactful travel is going to be in the COVID time, right? So, you know, it's there's there's a lot more stress on the athletes as they as they travel. So I think teams that travel away are going to be at a significant disadvantage than than, than the home teams, and I think that's going to give Houston the edge. Yeah, I'm. I'll go the other way just because. I, want I mean, to I mean, these don't more. count, right? Because we're going to have no, to do no, this. No, no, no. We'll, so we'll so do... these are like like let's just throw it away. So you should go the other way just to make I it will. interesting. Exactly. This is just for to, you know just for the show disparity purposes only for the show. Don't hurt me, Houston. I, I would say, yes, the stability in Houston is a good thing, but we just I just haven't seen enough consistency out of Houston to say where I feel as though Seattle, back-to-back champions. Yeah, I mean, look, I, Seattle I had like, a terrible yeah, injury list last year. They right? were, and they were all in key positions. And yeah. they, they forced reshuffles that really disjointed the way they defended. You talked about that. Shalom not being at 12, whether through injury or playing 10. I just don't think they made the adjustments. And that's probably 
you know, falls on the coaching staff who were brand new and trying to do a bunch of other things. And you never really, you have to expect injuries, but you never anticipate, you know, being ravaged the way they were. So right. uh, Ross Neal starting at 13, he'll score four tries and get uh, not only player of the match, but forward of the match too, just for Brad Tucker. There you go. That's my prediction. What do you think? You like it? <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I think this is great. I'm all over it. All right, let's go around the grounds and we start with some somber news. I'm sure most people are aware now, Sean Riley, young player down at Nola Gold, passed away, uh, had some complications uh, with his heart that led to, um, led to his death, which is, is tragic news. Young man in his prime had just come back from the Bermuda Tens as well, was looking forward to Nola Gold. Spoke to some of the, the guys down in Nola. They're obviously absolutely devastated, as is most of the rugby community, Pete. Obviously, death, never uh, an easy thing to take. But when it's a young, talented guy like Sean, very hard on the on the rugby community and in particular the New Orleans community. And obviously, the show, myself, Pete, Aaron, our hearts go out, our thoughts, you know, and, and best wishes to Sean's family and his friends through this tough time. So uh, I believe there is a, a GoFundMe account to help with some of the, the medical expenses and some just... Uh, in memoriam for, for Sean and his family. So get on uh, Nola Gold's, I believe, on their socials and you'll find the links for that. So it's sad news, Pete. You never want to talk about it, but unfortunately... This is a guy that, um, you know, from Ohio, played for the Aviators, right? So um, played in the original professional league um, and, you know, did some did some great stuff last year, right? Um, started a couple of games on the wing for, for, for Nola and I think was probably excited about coming into this season. But just like you said, our condolences and... Um, you know, uh, you know, to his family and just um, whenever we lose someone like this from our rugby community, it always helps us to stop and reflect on our lives, right? And and and, and to reflect on how lucky we are. Um, and, you know, if there's anyone that can, can reach out and financially help, um, you know, Sean's family at this time, I think, I think we should, you know, as a community step up and do that. Absolutely. And I, I know New Orleans are, are going to galvanize and, and probably, you know, have a big season in Sean's honour and memory as well. So some other news coming up, Pete San Diego will be the Las Vegas Legion in, uh, did I say Legion or Legion there? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. In Las Vegas, you, you may are, get both. You do work so, for strikers. So like, yeah. like are you trying to get the, some of the medical stuff off? Yeah. yeah this, is, this is, this is really about sort of the, um, like the COVID regulations in California um, making it really difficult. Um, so, you know, it makes sense for San Diego uh, to um, move to Vegas. I think we're going to see other teams, um, not just out of California, trying to, you know, find the best spot for them for their season. You know, we have to right. recognize, Dan, that, that this is going to be really challenging. It's hugely expensive for the league to be able to run this during COVID, that they're making this, this, this big commitment. I'm sure they're hoping to have fans at some point um, in the second half of the season. Um, yeah, but it's going to be, uh, it, yeah, it's going to be really, really challenging. And, uh, you know, you can see San Diego trying to manage those challenges by um, playing their games in Vegas. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of people who, and rightfully so, like if I'm a San Diego fan in San Diego, I'm upset, but don't, don't be upset at the team because they're really, it's a huge sacrifice for a lot of the players who are set in San Diego right. in the community to pack up and, and go to Vegas. They're trying to do what's best. Uh, for, for the game and for the league. I'm not, I know a couple of people watching the NRL in Australia, the New Zealand Warriors had to leave New Zealand because of the border restrictions. 
and situate themselves in Australia for the entire season. So it's not the first time we've seen movement from teams, like you said, in a COVID era that we are still living in and, and probably will be for, I would anticipate, half of the season, uh, optimistically anticipate for half of the season. Yep. So, yep, so it's just the way it is. Other news, uh, Shane Skinner, one of our good mates, always takes care of us in Seattle. He steps down as the president of the Seawolves. Brian Jones, they uh, they promote from within. He is now the new president of the Seawolves. So I know, Pete, you and I from, from year one, our first game together. I think game one, like, yeah, year one, game one. Shane was in the box and there. Yep, I mean, he's taking care of us. Um, experience. But I think that this is, you know, we're seeing this in, in with a number of teams where you know the, the the guys that came in and made real like commitments to get this thing up and running right and now there's sort of you know career sports professionals that are stepping up and taking those roles so i expect you know you you can see that with with brian stepping up but um you know i guess i guess shane retires from that position two-time champions right so undefeated, mate. Never, yeah, he's undefeated. never lost a championship. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm sure he's very proud of his time that he had when he led the Seawolves. Absolutely. And I don't think the Seawolves are what they are today if it's not for Shane Skinner. So yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think the community out there realized that. And, and uh, I hope to still see Shane R around. And, oh, I'm sure. We'll, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think we'll, you know, I don't think that guy could walk away that easily from that. So I hope not. Yeah. All right. Speaking of walking away, a lot of players walked away from Dallas this week as there was a dispersal draft. The Jackals, we talked about last show, pulling out of 2021. Um, Pete, do you want to have a crack at kind of just giving you a quick overview of how the rules running into the draft were and what the situations were for some of the players? You can you can blink twice if you don't want to do it. And I'll, I'll do so let me, let, me, let, let me see if, I can, if, if I've got this right. So first of all, people need to understand that there are sort of full-time players Right, and then there um, people that have um, that are associated have associated player contracts, which are basically part-time players. Often, but not always, the part-time players are local people that have jobs, right? And so, so you know, it's it's hard if you're a local guy and you know you're getting a good salary of sixty, seventy thousand, where someone's like, "Hey, quit your like career and come and play major league." The APCs are both, I think, for the guys that have careers that want to play elite rugby and have the ability to, but also the pathway into a full contract for the for, for other players. So, so there's those APC players, and I'm pretty certain those APC players were released, right, and were were able to do whatever they want. Is that what happened? So here's the deal: they were offered a severance uh, or a full release and the ability to negotiate if they did desire to go. Right. So, so, so in other fun. words, some of the guys that probably had local jobs would take the severance, the guys on their way up, what they would do is that they would, you know, get the full release and then go and find somewhere else for the, yeah. um, for the full-time players. Right. So the, um, the guys on the full-time contracts, you know, the, the, the league was pretty smart about this. Right. I mean, I think the league has consistently like thought about player welfare. And what they said is if you draft one of these guys, and you sign him, they don't count against the salary cap. Because here we are, six weeks before the start of the season, mm -hmm. and most teams have their rosters filled, and they don't have any cap space. So what that allowed players, um, teams to do is to draft the players, sign them, and basically they get cap relief for those players. So that gave um, a little bit of an incentive for some of these teams to sign some of these guys, which they wouldn't have been able to otherwise because most of the teams are bumping up against their cap space right now. 
Right. And then obviously they also had the option to... They also had the opportunity for a severance. severance. And, and, and I think if they took the severance and they signed with another team, they didn't get the, uh, um, the cap forgiveness. No, they would then be considered just a normal, just, like a just, street free agent yeah. would be basically right, right, how exactly. it was done. So again, the, the, the league trying to encourage them into the draft and then the dispersal draft. Exactly. So teams would have, it wouldn't just be a bunch of people just all going out, getting paid, and then one team loading up on, on Exactly, right. So it's worked out well. Draft happened. It, it's all done and dusted. Teams will be releasing the players that they drafted uh, once contract is signed. So there is a window announcing here. Announcing players that are drafted. What, what did I say? You said releasing, which makes them feel like they drafted them. Oh, and them. releasing their names. I'm sorry. Releasing, releasing their names. Their names yeah, of the, yeah. You did it much better than I did. I should just let you do that stuff by yourself from now on. But yeah, so that'll be coming out in the coming weeks. So there is, uh, I believe, a seven-day period where negotiations and we've already seen some movement you know we already yeah. saw alex reese who was uh can i say this pete is i hope i don't get in trouble i'm gonna say ryan, ryan his alex reese's brother oh there's too many reasons alex I, I like alex ryan reese if i would have just looked at your notes aaron i wouldn't have got myself in trouble so ryan reese so his little peek behind the window for uh, the curtain for everyone was drafted by NOLA and traded to Rugby ATL. So the announcement came out by Rugby ATL that he had been signed. So terms and conditions, uh, TBD, that uh, will be released at a later date. But there's just one of the guys. So NOLA, Ryan Fitzgerald, again, saw an opportunity, got a player that he probably had the feeling someone else wanted and had uh, had the, the it's, noose it's, and yeah, the smarts it's, to make the trade. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're... Um, the, the, these teams are getting more and more sophisticated, right? More and more sophisticated as they go through. So definitely just, an interesting. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Ryan. Your brother's a good dude too, but I'm just reading the notes now. It's right there, Ryan Reese. I was hoping maybe Aaron had messed it up and that was my reason. I have no excuses. I, I die alone on this hill. All right, let's do some signings. Hugh Roach, the rooster. He signs with the Gilgronies, as does Jake Turnbull, two Australian guys. Jake, obviously familiar to the league. Sabercat, Old Glory, right. now finds himself in Austin. He's really getting a good look at this country, one team at a time. That's right. <laughs> but uh, two front rowers, Hugh a hooker, Jake a front rower. So building up the front row stocks there for the Gilgronies, Pete. Yep, front row, front row is where this game is won in, in, in Major League Rugby, and I predict it's going to be even more so with the shortened preseason. Uh, early you, on, lots of drop balls, lots of scrums. Yeah. You heard Paul Healy announce uh, Veramu Dikitikitali. He is now signed up in Houston and announced. So Fijian winger. This, this MLR is almost becoming the new French rugby for the Fijian players. There are a lot of Fijian players taking it up. Uh, quick flight to Fiji from the US. You can actually get a direct flight from most West Coast cities to into Suva. So this is becoming a popular spot. So and I think it's great for the league. No, no country produces more exciting players than Fiji. So yeah, bring them right. all over. It's great right. stuff. Uh, Panohani, he signs in LA, local guy. So again, name that's kind of been around. I think he's played a bit of PRP back in the day as well. Old Glory get Luke Campbell. Rugby ATL, we mentioned Ryan Reese in that trade with New Orleans. Connor Cook, one of the old Raptor players. Big fan of Connor Cook. Most people will know the first ever MLR game. He's the first ever red card. He dropped Todd Clever on his head, got a red card. Probably not something he's proud of or he wants to be bringing up, but 
I've got a lot of time for Connor Cook as a player, and I think this is a great signing. He fits in really well in ATL. I, I, I think I think it's a great signing for rugby ATL. I mean, I think we talked with Scott Lawrence. I know we talked with Scott Lawrence recently, but last year, and he talked about how important fit is and like cultural fit. And I think Connor Cook's going to fit there. He's a hardworking, like does the dirty work kind of player, and I think that that's going to be a, a real asset to rugby ATL. So a great pickup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and he got the opportunity to kind of have a bit of an apprenticeship behind Pete Dahl yep. and picked up a lot of those tendencies that made Pete such a great player in the USA and kind of applied them to his own game. So let's look at some extensions. Houston, Zach Short, Van Stewart, Max Tackett. So young guys there, Canadian guy there as well. So Houston kind of shoring things up again before the season. Seattle, JP Smith, Woo-hoo. Dave Busby. Joey Yosefa, you I'm, love JP. I'm, I'm a huge fan of JP Smith. Me too. I think he's just a quality player. Good looking guy too, but mainly just a real quality player. Is this your second man crush? Does Nate Brakely know that you feel this way about <laughs> JP Smith? Oh, JP doesn't have look, JP doesn't have the stats. He's not in Nate Brakely's. <laughs> no, I don't think Keith wants him hitting 72 rucks in a no, game. I don't think night. so. I don't think so, so. But yeah, he's I think he's going to have a great year here. Uh, I thought 2020 was going to be his breakout year with that nine jersey. It's all his own and he's coming back. He looks fit. He looks settled. Uh, I think this could be a big year. And and let's not forget the injuries kind of didn't really help JP as well. You yeah. know, like we saw in year two where he bumped out to 10 and played a bit of 10 and, and was had a great game there. Yeah, he did. I believe in the semifinals, right? Yep. And then, um, you know, he's... he's since moved back into that nine and made it his own, but uh, big year for him. Joey Yosefa, big boy, good yeah, signing. Yeah, big boy. It'd be interesting to see, like, see him make an impact. Like, obviously, very talented, great athlete. Um, like, hasn't I don't think he's made the impact that he would want in the MLR yet. So maybe this year with uh, with Seattle is 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 the way to do it. I hope so. And then uh, Dave Busby, some some more value there as well for Seattle. So putting the band back together. But I think uh, I'm excited to see who Ross Neal is alluding to. He didn't get that one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's some overseas player that they're signing that that no one knows about, but it's really good. Yeah. I think that was what it was, right? He said it rhymes with Quaid Dupa. So we'll have to to wait and see. I'm pretty certain, you know, Quaid, Quaid Dupa would be someone that we would know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, this has been a long show, Pete. It's been a good one, though. Always a pleasure having you on, brother. Always a pleasure talking rugby with you. Don't forget, what, guys. Yep, let's hear it. Yep, let's do it. Let's, um, like, please leave reviews. Uh, you know, when you leave a review, it helps other people find it, um, find us. It helps spread the word for MLR. Um, and when you leave the review, put, you know, write, write something funny about Dan and we'll read it out in the show. Yeah, I'm just quickly looking through now. Oh, we got a new one. Oh, it's from my dad. We can't read that out. <laughs> We've been getting more ratings, but people aren't leaving reviews. Like they're giving us five stars, but they're not giving us reviews. Guys, like, like I'm, I'm telling you, you know, um, we should ask people to do something like, what's Dan's like, you know, spirit animal? It's actually not from my dad. It's okay. too legible. The, the grammar's too good to be from my dad, but we'll read it out in the next show. It's, it's great. Uh, it mentions Brad Tucker 
the professor, you get a run in there as well. It's a good one. It's oh, a good one. Look, like this it. is a teaser. There's a teaser. I mean, you could all go and just check it out, but there's a teaser. We will read out the review next week. Tune in. It says Pete Powers. My um, obviously power, but my dad's name is Pete. So I'm like, how embarrassing. My dad figured out how to write a review or, on Apple Podcasts. Or, or do you think it's someone that put my name and your name together? Now, see, that's why you're the professor. That's why you're the professor. <laughs> but it's been a great one. For Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.